Let's stand together in his amazing presence this morning. Something that you're going to see uh, as we move forward a little bit from time to time, I want to, to use some of the wonderful folks and particular from the younger generations to participate in our, our church. And one of the things you need to know, we have some great college uh, people, young people. One of them is Peter Sarmiento. So I've asked him to come and direct you as we read our scripture together out of 1 Chronicles 29. So let's, uh, let's welcome Peter as he comes to read our scripture, 1 Chronicles 29. Thank you. Now, my son, the Lord be with you, so that you may succeed in building the house of the Lord your God, as he has spoken concerning you. Only may the Lord grant you discretion and understanding, that when he gives you charge over Israel, you may keep the law of the Lord your God. Then you will prosper if you are careful to observe the statutes and the rules that the Lord commanded Moses for Israel. Be strong and courageous. Fear not. Do not be dismayed. With great pains I have provided for the house of the Lord a hundred thousand talents of gold, a million talents of silver, and bronze and iron beyond weighing, for there is so much of it, timber and stone too, I have provided. To these you must add, you have an abundance of workmen, stone cutters, masons, carpenters, and all kinds of craftsmen without number, skilled in working, gold, silver, bronze, and iron. Arise and work, the Lord be with you. David also commanded all of the leaders of Israel to help Solomon, his son, saying, Is not the Lord your God with you, and has he not given you peace on every side? For he has delivered the inhabitants of the land into my hand, and the land is subdued before the Lord and his people. Now set your mind and heart to seek the Lord your God. Arise and build the sanctuary of the Lord God, so that the ark of the covenant of the Lord and the holy vessels of God may be brought into the house built for the name of the Lord. Thank you. You may be seated. Well, what we have here is just a wonderful, a wonderful moment in, in the Old Testament where David and Solomon come together and they make a commitment and they give and they raise the people up and, and everybody passionately comes together to build a bridge. And the bridge in that day and time was the temple. The temple was, was uh, God's uh, reach to the world through the people of Israel and the people of Israel to, were to bless the world and they were to, to call the world to come and see uh, where God was. He was in the temple. He was with the people of Israel. And we're going to see some principles in this story that will help us with our mission. Our mission isn't just come and see. Our mission is to go and tell. And so we're, we're not building a temple. We're building a network. We're building a body. We're building an, an organization of people around the world. But nonetheless, we have the same principles and the same command that you see in this passage. Arise and build. Arise and work. Well, this, this series, I think, is really challenging me and my own heart, and I hope it challenges you. Uh, last week, I ended my message with this phrase, go fly a kite. Does anybody remember last week? I bet you remember that one phrase from last week, if you were here. And what, what we were talking about was, was daily we are to, to fly kites. And that was how they would start a bridge. They would just fly a kite, and then you'd have a, a string that would bridge the gap. And then you'd tie that string to something a little bit thicker, and then something a little bit thicker, and eventually you had a bridge. But it started in the old days with flying a kite. And I wonder if this week, maybe after that message, you, you thought about that. And maybe you, 
you flew a few kites, maybe you reached out, sent some, some, uh, uh, an email or a text or had a conversation with somebody to, to make a relationship with them and to begin that process of strengthening a relationship, a bridge across which you can minister to them through Jesus, you can give them the message of the gospel, you can connect them to your life group. And so uh, we need to arise and build. But if we're going to do that, it's going to take a number of things. And building bridges is not always an easy task. You may not realize it, but there's 600,000 bridges in America. That's a lot of bridges. We'd be in trouble if we didn't have those bridges. It would it'd bring everything to a halt. Here's something cof- comforting. 60,000 of those bridges, bri- bridges, uh, bridges are structurally deficient. <laughs> you, you have no idea which ones they are, but I, w- I looked up the stats. Fortunately, Florida is 42nd. We don't, we're, our bridges are pretty good. But there are 60,000 bridges that are deficient. Over 200 million people drive across deficient, structurally deficient bridges every single day. But it's not a problem that money can't fix, right? It's a matter of our government deciding, okay, this is where we're going to put our resources. All of it could be fixed if it were the priority of the funding, if it were the priority of the government making the choice. Now, this is not a sermon on fixing bridges. But here's the principle that we found. Fine. There is never a connection made that doesn't carry a cost. Every connection you're going to make in life carries a cost. It's going to cost you a phone call. It's going to cost you a cup of coffee. It's going to cost you some time and some effort. If you want to connect with your kids, connect with your spouse, connect with your neighbor. If we're going to connect as a church, every bridge has a budget. Every connection has a cost. And and we're not going to make connections unless we're willing to pay the costs. Last week I used as my illustration the Brooklyn Bridge. It was built in the 1870s by, it was designed by John Roebling, this master engineer, beautifully designed Uh, It still exists today and is going strong, but it was carried out and fulfilled by his son, Washington Roebling. It's pretty amazing when you look at the cost of those days. The numbers in dollars don't stun us because it was so long ago, Uh, but it cost hundreds of millions of dollars in equivalent terms. But what's interesting to me is it actually cost Washington and John, the father and son, it cost them their lives. John Roebling stumbled early on in developing the site. He stumbled and and injured his foot, got tetanus, and died a horrific death from lockjaw before the first thing was ever built. His son, Washington, uh, was so involved in the building of this bridge, he went down into these caissons that sunk deep down into the river where they put the the foundations. And, And to put the concrete foundations way down at the bottom of the river, they had to pump in compressed air. And they didn't know what we know nowadays, but, but uh, he came up too quickly from these deep holes that were filled with compressed air, and he got the bends. And so for the rest of his life, he struggled with illnesses related to compression sickness or the bends. Both father and son not only gave a lot of their time and a lot of money towards this, they actually, in the end, gave their lives. 
Well, in this story in 1 Chronicles chapter 29, we have another father and son, David. David always wanted to build the temple. And God had called him, anointed him as king. But you, know, you may know the story if you grew up in church. David was such a man of warfare, and he had a lot of, a lot of those kind of issues and, and that God said, I'm, you're not going to build the temple. You're a man of, of, of warfare and all of those kind of things. But I'm going to allow your son Solomon to build the temple. And the temple was just something that David wanted passionately for the glory of God. He wanted it for all of the right reasons, and Solomon did as well. And here is a father and son team coming together, leading the people to build what was in essence a bridge to the world. A bridge to the world where you could come and meet God. Now in this passage, he challenges his son. He says, you need to arise and build. You need to arise and work. But the arising and building and the arising and working would have never come to fruition if they had not arose to give. They had to rise up and give. Look at 1 Chronicles 29. If you turn over there, 1 Chronicles 29, verse 1, it says this, And David the king said to all the assembly, Solomon my son, whom alone God has chosen, is young and inexperienced, and the work is great, for the palace will not be for me, but for who? The Lord God. This palace was for the Lord. So I have provided for the house of my God so far as I was able. David gave. He paid a price to pave the path. He, he offered the budget to build the bridge. He, he, he saw the cost to make the connection. So he gave the gold for the things of the gold, the silver for the things of silver, the bronze for the things of bronze, the iron for the things of iron, the wood for the things of wood, Besides great quantities of onyx and stones for setting, antimony, colored stones, all sorts of precious stones and marble. Moreover, in addition to that, I have provided for the holy house. I have treasure of my own, of gold and silver. And because of my devotion to the house of my God, I give it to the house of my God. 3,000 talents of gold, of the gold of Ophir. And 7,000 talents of refined silver for overlaying the walls of the house. And for all the work to be done by craftsmen, gold for the things of gold and silver for the things of silver. And then he asked this question. If we're going to build this bridge, if we're going to build this temple, who then will offer how? Willingly. So David comes out and he says, listen, I am fully wholeheartedly committed to building this bridge and I am going to give over and above to pay the price who will follow Who's, who, who will give willingly as a king he could have conscripted them he could have taxed them he could have done all sorts of things but he looked at him and he said listen I want the, what's on my heart to be on your heart this is a bridge to the world God has chosen the people of Israel to bring blessing and light into the darkness. Who will offer willingly? They had to offer not only their, their treasure, they had to offer their talents. There were workmen of all kind that would come together and, and say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to add my bricks to this bridge. I'm going to add my talents to this bridge who then will offer willingly, consecrating himself today 
Now look at verse 6. So it happened. It happened. The leaders of the father's houses made their free will offerings, as did also the leaders of the tribes, the commanders of thousands and of hundreds, and the officers over the king's work. They gave for the service of the house of God 5,000 talents, 10,000 derricks of gold, 10,000 talents of silver, 18,000 talents of bronze, 100,000 talents of iron. And whoever had precious stones gave them to the treasury of the house of the Lord in the care of Jehiel the Gershonite. Then the people did what? They rejoiced. Why? Because they had given willingly. For with a whole heart they had offered freely to the Lord. David the king also rejoiced greatly. What a moment. Can you imagine what it would be like to be David the king and you just emptied out your treasury and you've just given all this to the gold and you're trying to, to, to hand off the bridge and the temple to the next generation. You've got Solomon coming up and you're not just thinking my folks, my people, the old people. You're thinking my son's folks, his people. And you're thinking I am leaving a legacy. And so I am just giving what I can over and above. I'm giving and I am praying that the people will come with me. And they did. And everybody just rejoiced because everybody was all in together and they gave willingly and they gave with willing hearts. Now, you know, whenever you approach the topic of giving, I think that's where you gotta, you gotta get to. You gotta get to the heart. Because God says he loves a reluctant giver. An arm-twisted, beat-up giver. He loves that. He loves a willing, cheerful giver. And, and, and what is it that, that brought them not to just arise and build bridges and give willingly? What, what caused them to arise and give the way that they gave? Well, something happened in their hearts their hearts, first of all, were captured by something. Their hearts were captured by a compelling purpose. A compelling purpose. If you'll look at verse 17 in chapter 29, look at verse 17. You'll see something interesting. So David has just had this great celebration he had a big fundraiser. Everybody gave willingly and joyfully, and everybody was all in. I mean, it was a great, wonderful celebration. And David decides he's going to pray, and he's going to praise God and, like he should, and he, and he praises God. But I find it very interesting what he says in this passage. I find it very interesting. He didn't say, thank you, God, that you made me such a great and wonderful and strong visionary leader. The people followed me. He never said that. He never said, you know, these people are so wonderful and godly. They're just, they just love to give and they just, they, he didn't give credit to himself and he didn't give credit to the people. It's interesting what he says. Watch this. Verse 17, I know, my God, that you test the heart and have pleasure in uprightness. 
He's looking at the heart. And then here's what he says. In the uprightness of my heart, I have freely offered all these things. And now I have seen your people who are present here offering freely and joyously to you. O oh Lord, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Israel, our fathers. Look what he says. He says, keep forever such purposes and thoughts in the hearts of your people and direct their hearts to you. I find it very interesting. He gives the credit for the giving to God. You see, what God did is he did a work in people's hearts. He did a work in the people's hearts and when you encounter God and he gives you a sense of the grand purpose of your life and the grand purpose of building bridges as a church, as a family, when you begin to just see who God is and he unveils that to you and he unveils the fact that he can use you, your talents, your treasure, your time, he wants to use your life to build something spectacular, not a temple, a church, a universal church that you as a part of this church, a part of the body of Christ, you can, you can construct bridges across the oceans and see people connect to Christ. You can construct through that student program. You know those students, those 172 students are gathered in something that your tithes and offerings continue to make possible. That bridge is there only because of those who saw the possibility, counted the cost, and continued to give. And that's just one example. And so he caught their attention. That he captured their hearts. The Lord did this. And so, you know, as I look at our church, and, and we're in this really unique year, and I brought it up a, a couple of months ago, and I'm going to bring it up from time to time. We're in this unique year where we took, we took all of our house payment. We have over $3 million of, of debt. That's, a, that's not much compared to what you used to have. And, and, but that is debt nonetheless. And I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, God, free our future of this debt. So we took the house payment and we put it in the budget. It hasn't been in the budget. Half of it has been. But we took the other half of the house payment, we put it in the budget, and we can't, we didn't have, we don't have that unless God gets your heart with the vision. When, when God gets into our hearts and he says, listen, this ministry is, is part of the bridge to Gainesville and the world. And so we put it together, and, and what we've called our church to do, and I've mentioned this to you, and we'll continue to just kind of bring that up. What, what, what I have done and what I need you to do with me is to take a, your normal tithe, which, which is that, that first 10%, you know, that you just, you just make that a habit of your life. You grow to that habit. Whatever you got to do, take steps toward that. 
you take that tithe and then I take a free will offering like these folks and I add it to that towards, uh, towards the debt and also a free will offering towards our mission fund and we, I just add it together and I give it all. I give it all. If every one of us would do that, I'm telling you, if half of us did it, <laughs> what a difference it would make. It would literally free our future. That just sounds good, doesn't it? Free to do what? Build more bridges. Build more bridges. Make more connections. So he captured their hearts. The people rose up and they gave. And look at his prayer in verse 19. Can you see that back in verse 19? He says, now I pray, God, that you would grant to Solomon, my son, a whole heart, that he may keep your commandments, your testimonies, and your statutes, performing all, and that he may build the palace for which I have made provision. What an incredible prayer. What are you praying for the next generation? I mean, Peter is just such a fine young man. He, he's making a lot of connections on UF campus. He's doing it. He's, he's part of that next generation. We have a lot of folks like that. I'm praying for them. What I'm praying for you, give us a whole heart. A whole heart. It's not just, well, God and his kingdoms, that little segment over there of my life. Then there's my kingdom, which is 98% of my life. And I'll acknowledge God's kingdom a little bit, but he says to Solomon, Solomon, I pray that he will have a whole heart, a whole heart, because in his hand lies the responsibility of the bridge to the world. And the church is called to build the bridge. Jesus wants to use us to connect to the community. So he says, set your mind and heart to seek the Lord God. Arise and build. Arise and build. Can you see it? Can you see it? I can see it. Can you see this place with flourishing families in a culture where families are falling apart? Can you see this place with children and young people that are coming out of it with a firm grip on what they believe, entering into a culture that doesn't even believe truth exists? How's that going to happen? No connections ever made without cost. And so we, it's going to take time. It's going to take effort. It's going to take people to say, you know, I'll stand up and I'll teach. I will get prepared. I'll prepare myself and I'm going to offer myself to teach the coming generations. Or I'll, I'll offer myself to stay in that nursery back there and change diapers and just, I mean, what a precious duty that is. You get to do that so that others can be discipled, so that, so that others can build the bridges theologically. I'm going to do it practically. Every part of what you do matters in building the bridge. Can you see it? Every person, well, I'd love to see every single person have a small group that they know knows they're here today. And if you're not here today, they know you're not here. 
I'd love to see everybody connect to a life group in the month of January. Begin that process. You say, I'm not willing to do that. Well, may God give you a willing heart. That's what I'm praying. May God give you a willing heart to help pay the price. And the price is, you know, I'm going to have to just, I'm going to have to visit a class. I'm going to have to go. Maybe they don't know me. I'm going to walk in. I'm going to pay a little bit of price of awkwardness. Maybe a little bit of price of getting up a little bit earlier. There is never a connection without some sort of cost. And maybe you say, well, my marriage is falling apart. You're just going to have to set January the 27th. Maybe that's a first step. Put it on the calendar. Save it. Don't let any UF game, don't let anything come in the way. You're going to have to make and pay the price to build that bridge in your marriage. You're going to have to do it. You may have to come home work from early. Uh, come home from work early to make a connection with your kids. There's just no way to build the bridges to the coming generations to the lost around us if we're not willing to pay some sort of personal cost say amen it's just the reality and what we are is we will pay the cost for stuff we want that's why god must do a work in our hearts because we often just want for ourselves instead of wanting for the world that jesus died for the father and the son want to build a bridge to the world and he wants to do it through his church so he says arise with hearts captured by a common purpose how's that happen well let me just tell you a few things that we that that uh we need i may not get to the end of my sermon here and that's okay that's okay there are other sundays praise jesus right <laughs> can i just tell you got a great bridge to our international students but we need we need a better vehicle we're trying to buy a van our vans are deficient like the bridges uh, we need two volunteers for four hours to sit in our reception and be a bridge to the community the first connection point to our community is the person that receives the phone calls there at the receptionist desk. And we're going to ask you to pay a price for that because it's a volunteer job. So it costs you four hours once a week. You know how hard it is to get folks to do something like that? I bet you got it. Now, I don't want the person that's already doing 19 things to do that. So there's always ways to connect we need volunteers to receive those precious children uh, we're having that couples night we we have 500 children playing basketball right now in in um, our, our upward program I coach eight of them our team lost yesterday <laughs> at the buzzer so I'm obviously not a very good coach right but I'm trying to build a bridge. I'm not trying to win a basketball game. I hope to do both, praise Jesus. <laughs> we just painted the church. Doesn't it look better? Boy, it looks so much better. You know, did, that was completely free. Uh-uh. <laughs> yeah, Daniel looked up and looked at me like, what? <laughs> it was it was unable to be cleaned it couldn't be cleaned anymore it was into the paint it had to be painted so a paint job cost sixty thousand dollars on a church 
You say, well, you should have had me paint it. No, no, we didn't need you to paint it. We needed it professionally painted. That's how much it cost. There's no connection without a cost. But it's worth it. May God capture our hearts with, with an understanding of that. It is worth it. And, and the people gave willingly. And one of the things that, that David had is he had a perspective that, he, that, that helped him in this. And this is the perspective that has to capture our hearts. Look at 1 Chronicles chapter 29, verse 12. This is the ultimate perspective. It says, both riches and honor come from, from who? They come from God. He says, listen, I'm, uh, both riches and honor come from you, God. You rule over all. In your hand are power and might. In your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. And now we thank you, our God, and praise your glorious name. Who am I? What is my people that you should be able to, to offer willingly? For all things come from you. And of your own have we given you. What a phrase. We didn't give you something you didn't have. You gave it to us to give back to you. Everything we have is yours. What a joy it is to willingly give it back to build bridges for the glory of God. And so he's just thanking them with this perspective. And the people caught the perspective. Oh yeah, I forgot. None of this is mine. It's all from God. If I'm his. Now, if I want to keep it as mine, that's my kingdom. That's my kingdom. But if I'm following King Jesus, then, then it's his. He gave it to me, and now he wants me to use it. And so 2 Corinthians 9 tells us this. Here's a New Testament perspective. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap Bountifully, each one must give as he has decided in his what? Heart. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may keep it for yourself and enjoy your life. You may abound in every good work. He loves a cheerful giver. And notice that he says, you have to decide this where? In your heart. In your heart. And the people saw the common purpose was the glory of God. God was glorified when all the people said, yes, we'll build this bridge. Yes, we'll pay the price. And we're paying it with everything you've given us. We're just giving it back so that you will be glorified. People can come into, the nations can come to this house of prayer and find God. And their hearts had that same perspective. He, they, they, they begin to see themselves as stewards and not owners. We're just, we just handle God's time we handle it. We're this, the handlers of it. We don't own it. They caught that perspective. May God do that for us. And finally, they became committed to a common practice. As they move forward, they were committed to this practice. And, and how do we, uh, but they struggled with it. What was the practice? 
Well, after they constructed the temple and as they had all of this, they had to commit themselves to ongoing tithes, ongoing offerings. And it, to the degree that they continued to give faithfully, God was blessing them. But, we, but unfortunately, we don't have any prophets send prophecies in like Haggai and Malachi and all these guys. None of the prophets wrote a letter to Israel and said, y'all are doing such a great job tithing, great job contributing. No. They only got some letters just kind of saying, listen, we're running into some real problems. Our fields aren't growing wheat. There's no rain falling from the sky. And God says it's because his house is empty. His temple is empty. You are robbing him and you are robbing yourself by robbing him. That's the message of Malachi. But in Haggai, it's interesting. Remember last week I talked about the fact that they were in Babylon? And they were in Babylon for 70 years. Well, towards the end of that 70 years, a group of them were sent back. And as soon as they got back to Jerusalem, just like God said, they got into Jerusalem, the temple was in ruins, and they decided, all right, we, we got to start back the temple. That's what we are. We're Jews. I know we've been in Babylon for 50 years. We need to start rebuilding this temple. So they built the foundation. They built the foundation, and, and they were all happy, and they built an altar so they could kill the animals and do the sacrifices, and they kind of got what was absolutely necessary in place. But then they started thinking, you know, well, I need to take a break from this because my house doesn't look so good. And look what he says in Haggai. This is, this is pretty interesting, and then I'll... I'll close. It says, then the word of the Lord, this is a prophet, 16 years after the people of Israel came back to Jerusalem out of Babylon, they came back, they started the foundation, then 16 years went by, no work on the temple. So Haggai walks in and says, says this, is, is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses when this house lies in ruins? Now, therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have so much and harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages does not um, sow to put them into a bag with holes. Thus says the Lord of hosts a second time, consider your ways. Go up to the hills, bring wood and build the house that I may take pleasure in it and that what? I may be glorified, says the Lord. You look for much and behold, it came to little. And when you brought it home, <laughs> instead of bringing it to the Lord, what he calls us to bring to him, that practice, he blew it away. Why, declares the Lord of hosts, because of my house that lies in ruin, while each of you busies himself with his own house. Now, let me put that, let me just put it into our day and our time. Nobody has more stuff and is busier than an American. We are just tied up with work, we work longer than anybody else. We play harder. We spend more. We're in bigger debt. We're unhealthier. It doesn't sound very good, does it? But we are the wealthiest people on the planet. 
And I think a lot of the reason that our, our bags have so many holes in it and that we're never satisfied is because we don't put God first. His house now, his kingdom is not a temple in Jerusalem. It is the ministry and church of his church. It is, the, it is the local church and missions. That is his network. And so I just encourage you to join me with willing hearts in making that the priority of your giving in 2017. May God do that in your heart. Not my attempt at a clever sermon. Not my attempt at trying to be charismatic. I, I'm not real good at that. I just like to teach the Bible. Not because I'm a, a great leader. I wish I was a really, really great leader. But may God do that work in your heart. May you see the purpose of your life as His glory. May you see that everything you own is His. And may we join together in the common practice of giving to God first. Why do we want to do this? Washington and John Roebling basically killed themselves building a, a bridge in New York. David and Solomon gave another father and son team, gave everything they could to build a temple. But the reason that I, I want to do this is because our Heavenly Father and His Son Jesus gave everything to build a bridge to you and to this world. If they're willing to do that, Jesus, it, you, know, you know John 3.16. For God so loved the world, He did what? He gave His Son to build the bridge. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that in eternity past, you, as our God, decided to build a bridge. You knew we would disconnect because of sin, and you wanted to reconnect us, reconcile us through Christ. Thank you for paying the price, covering that cost. The only thing we must do to receive that forgiveness is simply turn to you. Thank you. You built the bridge to us and you came to us. Thank you, Jesus. I pray if there's anyone in this room that has never connected to Christ as Lord and Savior, they would receive that. He paid the price for you. He paid the price on the cross. He covered the cost. There's no connection without cost. Jesus paid the price to give you eternal life. Have you received that as a gift? If you haven't, do that right now. Reach out to Him in your prayer. Just reach out to Him and ask Him to, to save you, to forgive you of your sin. Just say, Jesus, I want a connection with you. I want a relationship with you. He has come your way. You just turn to Him and receive that. The heavens will rejoice when you do that. Trust Him. And now turn, listen, we just turn church and we see our King, Jesus, what our King has given. And now we just turn and say, here's my life, Jesus. I'm going to give willingly just like you. 
take my job, my family, my time. You just use it however you see fit as my owner. I will commit to give my, my, uh, my first fruits to your kingdom. Use the rest of it to build bridges at home, at work, at school, however you see fit. God, I surrender it all. Maybe that's your prayer today. Church, I surrender it all. Wouldn't it be just an incredible moment, church? We get the end of uh, 2017 and we see that the people gave willingly, willingly. And we look and say, I don't know how we did this. God put it on your heart. Father, that's my prayer, that in this invitation, we just surrender our hearts to you. Do that work, a work of salvation, a work of calling someone to you, a work of consecration, just like David called out to Solomon and the rest of the people. Who will consecrate themselves, give themselves to you? I pray that we'll do that. We thank you for your word that gives us pictures of how to live in the Old Testament and in the New. We thank you in Jesus' name.